Hello and welcome back to another video on the Apologists Handbook series. Today we're going to be continuing our discussion about apologetics and we're going to be approaching one of the most difficult challenges that we commonly face as apologetics, that being the problem of evil and suffering. Now instead of just covering the entire problem of evil and suffering in one video, I'll like to do it and separate it into multiple different forms because I think at the end of the day it is very important that we approach it in a very individualistic and a very specific level because when we approach each individual theodicy, each individual problem, it could be just a very wide range of different things. And in order to do the topic justice, it's very important that we take all of them step by step. So in this video, we're going to be talking about the purpose of theodicy or the purpose of a defense. What is the goal of us responding to the problem of evil? Because a problem of evil has so many different formulations and comes in so many different forms, both for the theist and the atheist, so we really have to understand what is the purpose for this when we are making our response. Now, before we get into immediately discussing what is the purpose of a theodicy, I would like to start off by just wishing you all a very, very Merry Christmas, where we commemorate, not, I'm not sure that's the right word, but remember and celebrate the life of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus was born to man. The greatest miracle in the world is that of God coming down from heaven and living among us. And that is perhaps a starting point of the, Christ, the Christian story and the Christian history. So that is really the point of Christmas. I really wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Doesn't matter whether you are an atheist, a Christian or whatever. I mean, this is a very, very good time for you to spend time with your friends, your family, have peace, joy and happiness with your loved ones. And I really wish you all the best in this Christmas season and the new year ahead. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this content, make sure to like and subscribe. It means a lot to me. It really helps this channel grow, helps build this community together. And if, of course, like always, feel free to let me know your thoughts and opinions, whether you agree or disagree, in the comments below. And we'll see how it goes. Now, as, as I've said previously, we're not going to be giving a theodicy or a defense to the problem of evil, but rather just talk about the purpose of what we're doing when we're approaching the problem of evil. Now, I think that the most important thing when we're approaching the problem of evil is this, is that we should not be approaching it to solve completely the problem of evil. And why am I saying this? Is that the problem of evil comes in a lot of different forms. There's the logical problem of evil, the evidential problem of evil, and there's a lot of different formulations, the Bayesian problem of evil being another one, the probabilistic form of problem of evil. So there are so many different formulations. However, one of the main things that I often see is that a lot of people try to provide a problem of evil and expect uh, or a defense to the problem of evil. And it goes both ways. Either they provide a problem of evil or they provide a response to problem of evil and expect everything to be done just via the philosophical argument. But that's clearly not the case, I think, it's evident, if not ev more evident than any part in, in apologetics, that the problem of evil isn't just a philosophical one. You can wrestle with these philosophical issues all, all you want about suffering, but there is something fundamentally intrinsic to the problem of evil, or there's something intrinsic to suffering, which cannot be reduced to philosophy. For example, you could philosophize that life is meaningless. You could philosophize all you want about the, the lack of intrinsic worth to suffering. But, it's, it, but it still doesn't change the fact that when you look at a child who is suffering, who's in pain, that there is something significant, phenomenologically significant, about the child who is suffering. And it doesn't matter what philosophical worldview you hold, but there is this deep feeling of, of gravity or significance to individual cases of suffering, which cannot be tied down to pure philosophical argumentation. 
So as a result, when we are providing these responses to the problem of evil, or when we're posing the problem of evil, we have to first recognize this existence of this extra category, this existence of this kind of non-philosophical point, which has to be put aside, not because it's not important, but because it can never possibly be solved by discussing philosophy. And as a result, when we were providing a theodicy, we need to make it very clear that we're not talking about this phenomenological significance of the suffering. It could it could often come to as an appeal to emotion, a, a, fa a fallacious line of reasoning. It doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong if I'm saying, well, look at the suffering children, look at the suffering children, look at cancer, all these problems. It, it definitely hits your heartstrings. And, and it doesn't mean that this isn't something which is significant. It just means that it probably shouldn't be the best way to approach philosophically, because when we do it, it is tied in with the phenomenology, the experience of the suffering, which is not philosophical at its core anyways. So as a result, the first thing we have to do when we're talking about theodicies and posing the problem of evil is to separate the two things. Now, of course, when I've been talking about this kind of separation on one of Zach's live streams, you should check his channel out as well. It is very clear that some atheists or some Christians like to say, well, that's clearly not the case. It's clearly the case that, oh, the problem of evil is purely um, philosophical. And when someone raises an emotional problem of evil, or when I am saying, oh, there's an, uh, this emotional problem of evil as well, I'm just trying to distract the conversation. But that's definitely not what I'm trying to do. And that's not what I'm trying you guys or telling you guys to do. Of course, the logical e problem of evil has to be taken seriously as a philosophical argument. Same goes with the evidential problem of evil. But at the same time, that does not mean that that is everything there is about the suffering. You can't just look at a kid or go to a hospital and say, well, look, in front of us, there's a logical problem of evil. There's evidential problem of evil. OK, that's it with the entire hospital. We don't need to care about it anymore. Clearly, that's not the case. So as a result, what we have to do is to take into consideration all these different aspects of the problem of evil. So where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us with the fact that we have to approach everything. And this is the purpose of a theodicy is not necessarily to solve all these other problems, but rather to create the theodicy in a response to the individual argument. What is the argument that the atheist is bringing? Is he providing a logical problem of evil? What do you do in response to the logical problem of evil and only the logical problem of evil? The person is raising an evidential problem of evil. Well, let's find the syllogism of that and provide a response only to that syllogism or only to that discussion. And then we work on from there. By doing so, we, we avoid this, this ability perhaps to be torn or, or distracted into these non-philosophical discussions, which are important, as I've said, but are not directly related to the problem of evil. And we have to separate them. So the, the, the atheist has a burden of proof to support his, um, his argument, his problem of evil, and the theist then, the apologist, then has to say, well, this is your argument, I'm responding to it. And that's exactly how we should do it. They shouldn't just make a pure um, assumption or make an argument out there and, and not back it with arguments, have to back it with arguments. And then the, the theist responds only to the argument that they present and to nothing more. And I think by doing that, then we avoid murkying murky, the water, making the waters more murky, perhaps. I'm not sure if that's the right word again, but making the waters more murky by by tying in or perhaps just giving these claims, because I'd see a lot of times people just throw in a lot of these ideas like children with cancer, all these different things, but without providing an actual argument, what happens is that it ties in then all the emotional baggage from these non-philosophical sources, brings in the phenomenology, which of course phenomenology itself is indeed philosophical, but tying it into the problem of evil then separates it too much from its own field. So as a result, what we have to then do is to indeed respond individually, and that's important.
Now, finally, what I want to talk about the purpose of the theodicy, finally, is this, is that everyone has to approach or everyone can approach theodicies in different ways. What is a good solution to the evidential problem of evil to one person might not be as convincing to someone else, and that's fine. Essentially, what we have to do is that to figure out, well, where exactly do we lie? And to each person, what is the most convincing thing to them? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people could say, well, okay, look at all this suffering. Evidentially, it's highly improbable given this situation that a God exists. Then you give the suffering to someone else who's actually suffering and they're like, well, this suffering isn't too bad. And a good example of this would be I was debating or discussing uh, the problem of evil with a good friend of mine. And he was like, look at all the starving um, people, look at people who are suffering in Africa, who, who barely have enough food on their tables. They, their family are dying because they don't have enough money. Well, I conveniently knew someone who, who, who was struggling with those situations. I, when I went to Africa, I visited and met someone who barely had enough food to put on his table three times a day. His, his parents or his family members, they couldn't pay for the medications. That was a very unfortunate situation. But then he was a very strong Christian. And I talked to him about the suffering. And it was clear that the probability of the suffering or, or the existence of the suffering didn't change anything about his belief in the probability of the existence of God. And in fact, at times, his belief in the existence of God became stronger from the ex experience of this suffering. So it really goes to show that when it comes to the evidential problem of evil, a theodicy isn't necessarily a one a one key suits all. And the same thing goes with a problem of evil. An evidential problem of evil isn't a one key suits all. Of course, a logical problem of evil is a bit different because of course it's a logical structure and doesn't have that probabilistic nature to it or this evidential nature. But of course, when you turn to the evidential nature, unfortunately, it's not something where you can say, or maybe fortunately, who, who knows, but isn't something where you can say, well, there's a deductive argument. If the syllogisms work, then the conclusion must follow. The evidential problem isn't exactly that case. So when we're talking about theodicies, we really have to take into consideration who we're talking about it and sometimes accept that maybe a theodicy which is successful to me and is reasonable to me and to a lot of other people may not be reasonable or may not be accepted or may not seem convincing to the person you're talking to. Is that a problem of your argument? Not necessarily. That does not need to be the case. Because, of course, a lot of people can have different opinions about different things and everyone has a right to that opinion. And the same thing goes with the atheist. They can make an evidential problem of evil and it might not be a problem to me. Yes, a lot of atheists may agree with him, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily have to say that that's a very convincing argument. So it really goes both ways. And as a result, we have to take into consideration every argument as they are and also every person who are interacting with the arguments. So I hope you've kind of perhaps this video has shed some light onto the nature of theodicies as a whole, the nature of probability or the problem of evils as a whole, so that you can understand a bit more about how everything works here and also understand a bit more about how you can interact with people when you're using these theodicies or when you're using a problem of evil. And I hope this guide helps both the atheist and the theist alike if you're both watching it and you find it insightful. Like always, if you disagree with anything that I have said, let me know in the comments below. I'll happily interact with your opinions there. So finally, if you enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. It really means a lot to me. It really helps this channel grow. Of course, more likes on this video means I know that you guys like this series. So if you want more series or more content on this series of an apologist handbook, then make sure to like and subscribe. I'll also be making other videos on other theodicies, uh, responses to moral evil, responses to natural evil, and all these different discussions. And if you're interested in that, then make sure you stay tuned. So I wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas with friends and family. Peace, happiness, and joy to you. Stay safe, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you for watching, and goodbye.